Hello and welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency, whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran or just crypto curious. I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and today on the episode, we are joined by Jordan Fogarty, who I am so excited to introduce you guys to. I know we've been talking on the podcast a lot about day trading and TradFi and really diving into what's happening in the market at the moment. And this episode does go a little bit back into the metaverse and NFTs, but in a way that we never have before. And I know, at least for me, there are a lot of light bulb moments that really made me understand the potential and impact of of what's happening in this space. Now, if you haven't been in Jordan's world before, he is the founder and CEO of BE Media, who has been acquired by Animoca Brands. Now, a lot of you, I'm sure, know Animoca or perhaps some of the brands they work with, including Sandbox, OpenSea, Axie Infinity, and so many more. So this is such an interesting topic and I cannot wait to dive in. Jordan, welcome to the show. Alicia, nice to be here. I like that. Crypto curious. Yeah, it's a good tag. Hey, now the question that we ask everyone to the podcast, the very first question is, what was your very first crypto purchase and do you still have it now? Yeah, interesting. So I think my first investment, if you like, was actually in Animoca years and years ago. But my first crypto purchase, if you like, with some sandbox tokens, and I do still own them. I've bought a few more over the time, but that was my very first. Oh my God. And how fitting. I love that. And was that first purchase, was it because of the recent set that you'd done in Animoca? Yeah. So I've had a bit of a connection to Animoca for sort of the whole time they've been around, four or five years. So I was like, okay, I better get something. And then I bought some of the Axie Infinity, which also was connected, um, but I didn't know, you know, I wasn't really doing it for that reason at the time. I was just like, oh, I want to own some of these things. Testing it out and seeing what it all is. Now, like, of course, that is part of the Atomoka brand and there's some other really cool projects that they're involved in. So Sandbox is one, Axie Infinity is another. And then for you yourself, you actually have more of a traditional marketing background and have worked with some really cool brands in that space. So we've seen you do work with Audi and Harley Davidson and all of these amazing brands that people know and love already. For you, how did this sort of transition come about to work within the two? And of course, that conversation with Animoco in the first place. Yeah, so I think it's throwing some jargon out here. I mean, you know, I started the business when I was 23, like nine years ago um, in Web1, sort of, you know, desktop, search, sort of the read-write web, if you like. And then a couple of years later, this thing called Facebook was coming out and mobile. It's funny, it wasn't actually that long ago when we all started using iPhones or smartphones and getting on social media. That's, I suppose, period known as Web2. Scaled the business into that and went really, really hard at upskilling and training the team and, and taking the Web2 period, which we all use a lot of now, even though we don't call it Web2. And then this opportunity came out to join and jump headfirst into Web3, which has been a a wild ride. How good. And what was it about the partnership that enticed you? Like when you heard about this Web3 concept and even getting into it in the first place, buying your first tokens, what about that world was something that you were drawn to? Well, I was just reading the bio of the podcast and I was like, listen, this is such an overwhelming world. And I was thinking, it doesn't matter if you're just getting started or you're business is completely this space it's overwhelming each step you maybe gets less overwhelming because you just get used to the overwhelm and you're not you know, as intimidated by it but yeah i actually met years ago four or five years ago when animoca was a really tiny business compared to, to what they are now and it was his vision for this space and what it could be and i never even thought of what 
digital property ownership and rights are because you just sort of put all your stuff on social media. You just kind of go along with it. So his vision of what this technology can do for societies, for business, for shared economies, that was what super attracted me. Uh, I was like, ah, very much entrepreneur. It's just me. I want to be running the ship. And I'm like, that's a guy I would work for, for sure. And that's where we are now. It's really cool. And for those that haven't seen this vision or heard about it or read any articles about it, can you share sort of some insight into that, particularly around like digital property rights? Like what does that actually mean? For sure. So I might start with a story. So it's an interesting one. So Yat Out, the founder of Animoca Brands, was actually sharing an office with this group that launched CryptoKitties about five years ago, probably the first ever NFT project. Now, what was it? It was a bunch of kitties as like, you know, cats as NFTs and it literally like nearly broke Ethereum at the time as this just absolute explosion of what NFTs are. They were sharing an office with the developers of that and were like, wow, this is something we should take really seriously. And then Yat did and started investing in, because he believed in the space so much, and I'll explain that in a second, why the property rights and something that's, you know, I think so, can be so incredible uh, in the future. So we started to make some investments. Now, what you've heard of these things, no doubt, OpenSea, where most of NFT transactions come through, is a part of the Animoca network. Axie Infinity, Sandbox, they acquired for $4 million. Now it does 75% of our metaverse trade. Um, with this vision that we can actually participate and own our digital experience. And so, for example, we need a reference point. Everything we put on social media or online mostly is not owned by us. We sell our data for free services like posting on social media and sharing photos of friends. So the concept and the blockchain makes this possible is being able to actually own parts of these worlds. So, for example, Fortnite is a game, right? Or, you know, you may have played Age of Empires or all these different games when you know Tekken 2, they're all coming to me now, like when, we've, when you're growing <laughs> up, whatever it might be. Grand Theft Auto, I'll stop naming names. But, you know, <laughs> Go start playing some games. <laughs> yeah, I know. No matter how much time you spent in these games and how much effort you put in, maybe you're upskilling, you're getting new weapons, new armor, whatever it might be, all of this effort and work you never own any of it. So you might wake up five years later and be like, I did all of this, built this, but it's owned within the world and it's owned by like one company or one gentleman, right? In this space, Sandbox is a good example. Animoca gets a small clip of all transactions that happen in this space, but it's a user-owned space. You can buy your own land. You can buy your own assets. You can add value, build things, and people come in and transact. Just like in the real world, if you built a really cool hotel or a really cool restaurant, people are going to come in and you're going to make money from that. So this whole concept of digital property rights is creating a new world where people can actually come in and own these things versus not. Yeah, 100%. And I think like the interesting part of this, and I think the evolution to come is going to be the one that's the most exciting, right? Because at the moment, like you talk about those things and to many listeners, that's going to feel like, okay, cool, the metaverse, like I can see how that all works, but it still feels like a game. And it still feels like that's what you're doing here. And I think the vision that we have seen and have heard talk about is that it's not going to be a game forever. It's not just going to be something that is allowing you to commercialize the efforts of your axes or something like that. It's going to be this real place and space where people can come together. Yeah, a real economy, just like, I mean, really everything and even more that we do in the real world, if you like, can be done in this space. It's quite cool. There's not really limits of creativity. There's not limits of 
gravity. It's what we often say with different partners and things is like, guys, this is limited by our creativity and how much we want to push the boundaries. Yeah. And I think like the other thing that we often get into in conversation around like the metaverse or anything like that is at the moment, people again, think of that as some foreign space age concept with people with space suits and all of us having avatars. But right now, like you and I talking to each other, we're, we're doing this online, right? Where we're opposite ends of Australia. We're both pixels. We're both talking. And the metaverse is kind of just even could be allowing that to happen. It's a great example. Like we could have our headsets on and literally feel like we're in a room. I think um, I never forget this time I went to New York and was walking around. I was like, I've definitely been here before. This is so bizarre. And it was because I was so excited and I was on my desktop walking around Google Maps all around Soho. And it's sort of like the mind can't really differentiate between real world being there and what you might experience. So there's some really cool, I mean, you know, we obviously don't want an example like Ready Player One. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Like, we don't want to be living in that dystopia. But what creative, I mean, I don't want to see how much time I spend on an iPhone daily, but why not make that experience a bit more powerful, a bit better, right? Yeah. And so, like, leaning into this vision a little bit more before we move into some other topics, where do you think that's going to traverse to? Like, people buying land in Sandbox, great example. Yeah. What's going to happen with that land? What does it give them? Where do they go from there? Sure. So, I think, like, it's a good reference point on this, again, is, like, if I lost my LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram tomorrow, I would feel a bit like a lesser person. And I know we go, oh, we're all wrapped up in this so much. Like, let's come back to reality. But that is part of our identity. So in terms of where this can go, like Sandbox, you know, you hear those stories where, I mean, even Snoop, right? He bought a space for 200 grand or 20 grand that's worth 5 million or something like that. You hear these headline grabbing stories, but it's a really cool space. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like we're working with a lot of different sporting leagues across the world. We're like, let's build these sports game parks. You can host events. You can have your sponsors in there. Travis Scott has done this amazing concert where he had to do 55 tours around the world to get the same amount of income as doing two metaverse events. And the two metaverse events had 22 million people attend. Like, I don't know, there's no concerts where you can fit in 22 million people. So some of this is quite cool because there's no stopping people going and creating spaces and then opening them up to artists, to other groups, renting them out. So you might people might be like, oh, well, I don't have half a billion dollars to go and build a huge shopping mall. But could I create a cooler space in the metaverse and maybe host, I don't know, art galleries or whatever you're into? I think there's some really good ways that lower the barrier to entry for people to create things. Definitely. And I think coming back to that ownership pieces again, you know, other platforms that are being used at the moment, like Zoom, great example, yeah. especially over COVID. Everyone uses that. Everyone hosts webinars there. Everyone streams stuff using online platforms as well. That concept of ownership in the metaverse, again, if you're building like a stadium where people can host events and host concerts, the technology, thinking it back and stripping it away, it's kind of like just using Zoom, but you own Zoom. So if they cancel it, if they start charging you triple the price, which they recently have, you know, as things like that, you start to get that ownership back because that's your space that you own and you develop the stuff on there as well. Totally. No one can take it away from you. No, you can't get deleted. You could get deleted off Facebook. We've seen some, you know, notable people get deleted off Facebook. Whereas, yeah, if you're in a normal uh, society, right, like you're not going to get your house taken off you. I suppose it's similar to that where you're really having those rights back those property ownership rights and it's a funny thing because we take property rights so for granted in the real world 
I don't think that someone's going to steal my house when I get back there tonight. You know, like I know I own that. But in the digital world, that's very much could be the thing. I could be deleted and have my house demolished, and which is a sort of an interesting concept when you think about it. Yeah, definitely. And then there's so much to unpack here. And I know there'll be still a lot of people whose brains are like, what are you even talking about? What is this? But guys, like, you know, come back and listen to this again. Like there's just so much potential here and it takes a couple of times and a couple of different conversations to frame this and get this in a place where you start to understand it. John, something that we're super excited actually to talk to David Elliott from the AFL and get his views on this, but you have been really involved in the AFL project, bringing that to life. Twitter has just launched a few weeks ago. Can you talk us through what that looked like and how you guys were involved? Yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, just chatting earlier today and someone was so blown away. They're like, wow, like I can't believe the AFL is already at this level and doing this stuff. And I think it's a testament to the AFL, like the digital products and the things that they've built over the last five years, the Marvel Stadium. They've done an incredible job, like world-class job at furthering their product for their fans and deeper engagement. They've just totally smashed their membership records this year, even despite COVID. So as a brand, they're really innovative. And they actually started at the start of last year, 2021, before it was becoming quite well-known and crazed. But they really started very early on going, we want to do something in this space. We want to, you know, really take leadership in this space. So that's been really exciting. We've been deep in building that out since January of this year. So what's that? Nearly the last eight to nine months. And the vision of that, we're in a five-year partnership. It really is a partnership for both parties to come in and, you know, do as much as possible and share between the players, us and, and the AFL. And we're really excited what this can do. Some people might go, well, these are just video clips or what actually are the NFTs? It's like, yeah, they're the top clips, our like trading cards for your favorite players and whatnot. But there's so much more than that. They're an access pass. They're a way to get rewarded for our activities and engaging in the AFL community. They're a way to bring in AFL sponsors. So we're super excited roadmap and pathway of how we can make like a really incredible community out of this through Web3. And I think, again, you just mentioned the players being involved as well. We have this incredible episode with Greg Oakford where we talk about the potential for the sporting world and having those players being able to actually access funds from NFTs created and those sort of things, removing those third parties. And there's so much opportunity here again for connection. Yes. You said like people don't, you know, think twice about buying a ticket to an event or getting access to that. But that concept of them and NFT sounds scary and weird. And this online little pixel thing, like, what am I actually getting? But in reality, if you're working that backwards and it is your membership to the club. It is your access to that exclusive dinner at the president's lounge or whatever it is. You know, that makes sense and that feels tangible. And that's kind of just what you've created here in a really cool, innovative way. And how cool being able to, for example, a rookie out of the draft that you back in, you keep buying their NFTs each year because you think he's going to be a total superstar. And then in five years time, being able to show on the blockchain, I was one of the first purchasers of his NFTs. I believed in him. I'm a true fan. I'm not just a bandwagon fan that's jumped on the bandwagon. Like That's really cool. And that's the sort of world that we're working to create. And it is it is what I love about Web3 is it's always community first. It's like, yeah, don't forget about your revenue goals and drivers, but they're absolutely second. And now that'll come if you're really building an awesome community and experience for the fans and users. And that's what our big driving goal is. And I guess going back to those more traditional brands that you've worked with before, you know, like we mentioned, you have done work with Harley Davidson and Audi before, and there's so many other people who are interested in this space. 
What other opportunities do you see? Sporting's one that we've covered a lot. Musicians, artists are an obviously another really obvious one. Is there anything else that you sort of see potential for transitioning from web to or traditional marketing to this new world? Yeah, I think like retail is an incredibly broad term, but the whole retail space across, you know, like what Nike was amazing in being a first mover and buying this really awesome sort of Web3 NFT studio to develop. And now you can choose on all these different attributes and design these NFTs of your Nikes and you can decide to burn the NFT and get a real life one. But a lot of people are now holding on to the actual NFTs because they're worth a lot more than the real life ones. Or if you're a real badass, to be honest, you're going to burn it, even though it's worth a lot and wear them around because you're going to, you know, kind of showing off a bit. So retail is an enormous, I think, huge opportunity because uh, Gucci threw themselves headfirst and they basically said, let's play. Let's play around. Let's do some cool things. And now they've done all these incredible artist collaborations and I looked not long ago and Gucci had like three of the world's top 20 NFT projects. So is Gucci becoming a digital company more than just a bag company that had that monogram that we all remember of all the different Gucci bags, right? They're leather bags. Now they're sort of a technology company as much as they are a fashion product. So there's some obviously art. We're even speaking with some global universities and education players. Like how can you make that experience? I don't know. When I was at uni, logging into the LMS learning management system and having to watch a lecture. You know, how bad was that? The worst. Imagine if you could be in this like world, like, okay, we're going off to, you know, oh, I don't really study like Jupiter and all the planetary stuff, but I don't know if you were, why couldn't you actually just go there and be like, all right, we're at Jupiter now. Like there's so many cool experiences that could probably, we're working at the moment with a global education platform for kids and like two to eight-year-olds, and it's some of the things we can create there. Like how cool could that be to deepen and enrich learning? 100%. And this is another really good example and perhaps light bulb moment for some people that, you know, currently, right now, you log into some crazy-ass portal that's so old and so clunky and takes forever to get you into a lecture, right? That's your objective. And then you watch some slides. Oh, my God, kill me. (laughs) It's the worst. But, like, that's technically could be exactly what you're doing in this metaverse-type world is you're still going to the same thing. You're still going to that lecture. It's just that that university that perhaps doesn't have the resources, funding, time, whatever, to build that ecosystem that allows that lecture to be presented really well just rents it off someone else and you just log in and you just jump in there and, and it's somewhere that you know. Like, And again, this is all generational. Like, It's going to be our kids who are doing this and they're going to just know that that's where they go into their classroom is in this place that just happens to be on Sandbox. Totally. I think it's literally unlimited how that can grow and be designed and you know, also getting access to the world's best teachers and there's just like equalizing the playing field, like leveling things out a bit because it's providing opportunities, you know, and this is sort of what particularly Yat, our founder and us are all like quite passionate about is like teachers are not fairly really, they don't get a, enough share of the revenue or the economy as they probably should because they're so critical for our future. But this space can open that up and it's sort of on a value perspective, not just it's quite cool when you think of those elements being able to share the economy a bit more. I love that so much. I've never even thought of that, but that is such a cool opportunity. Um, and even touching on accessibility, like we see Paris Hilton like in the BFF project, like Paris is in there all the time and, and, and lots of other celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow, Mila Kunis, like they're all part of this. And you have that opportunity to actually interact with them, like usually If that was happening, they'd have to come to it. Like for us, come to Australia. You'd have to buy a VIP pass. You might get a photo or a snap backstage. Whereas like I can sit in my lounge room 
and interact with this, but like actually interact with them. Like where else can you do that? It's insane. It's so cool, which just kind of like breaks down all the traditional barriers, really. Something I'd love to chat to you about in particular is like moving into this new space and these brands that are coming on board as well. Something you've referenced and spoken about is the importance of still incorporating traditional marketing elements like psychographics, personas and those sort of things. Can you explain, you know, of course, if someone doesn't have a marketing background, they might not even know what that means, but why that's so important for brands to focus on? Yeah, it's a really great question because it's so critical. Starting this question, we always go back like this is still good business practices and principles. You know, like the Amazon example, they always had a seat in the room still to this day where that's the customer. And they looked at like, are you thinking about the customer? Are you thinking shipping times or this? Like it's about that guy. I think that's worked out for Bezos, uh, (laughs) that philosophy. So... You know, we always use with the AFL one example. It's a very typical kind of persona, if you like, is Mickey. He's 28. He maybe is a young professional or a tradie. He loves sport, not just AFL, he loves sport, maybe rugby, maybe footy, maybe plays a bit of golf. Not sure. He probably flies between different places for weddings or football games or whatnot. So really thinking about that persona and going, well, what's interested? Maybe he wants to go to the pub, have a beer before a game, catch public transport. So once we build out this persona, if you like, and get really clear about it, that's where it becomes, how do we build this community that he's really interested in? You know, even me and my mates were at the Frio final on the weekend, which was a great game. And I was like, hold on, you know, we were at halftime, like we're thinking of some really cool AR and VR things we could actually do in the grounds where you can run around almost Pokemon Go style and connect NFTs for the AFL. And they're like, is that just for kids? I'm like, we would have done that. If we were at the ground and we had a bit of time, we would have gone, well, why not try? Like just for a bit of fun. So um, building around those, and there's lots of different personas that we're sort of focusing on if we use the AFL as an example. But it applies just as much as anything, even more so here. It's like build an experience that your target audience or persona is actually going to be interested in and care about. Yeah. And coming back to that connection between Web3 does not have to be in the metaverse. It doesn't have to be this crazy thing. It can be a real life experience where you are chasing those little creatures around or something like that. Or again, as we've mentioned, those tickets back. I love that. And I love the impact and the importance you put on that because a lot of people would just kind of dive into how do I make this NFT work rather than how does this work for the ideal customer or ideal consumer of this? And we almost consider like an NFT is like a ticket to the dance. Like it's your entry into the stadium or into the world. Like what can we keep adding to that that is this exploratory pass to all these awesome experiences rather than just an image, you know? Even though we're talking about images and the clips as awesome as possible, but they can be so much more than that, which I think people are still like, oh, so it's not just like stock that I'm trading. It's like imagine if you had a share that, also gave you all this other really cool experiences and things. So it's sort of a different way to look at what it is. Yeah, and a lot more easier to understand and wrap your head around, I think, as well. Something else I'd love your thoughts on, when people enter this world and try to create a project or something like that, they often also add the tick box for themselves that, hey, I need a Discord. That's part of this. This is what I need. Now, now personally, Discord drives me insane. It's not a platform for communities. It's a gaming platform. It's never going to be a platform that works for this. What are your thoughts and takes on that? It was funny, we got presented the other day by a company wanting to create a social platform for Web3 and it was like their tagline was, because Discord sucks. <laughs> yes, I love it. Bring it on. We all need it. Yeah, we're like, I couldn't agree more. You had us at hello. 
So I think community is the basis of success in Web3, like the layer of community. So often we'll be thinking of doing different projects and things, and it does come to how do people share and connect. And so Discord, like even within the AFL, like is actually being a really useful tool for us. It's a madhouse to stay across, but it's an awesome tool to get feedback. And I think maybe to answer your question around do you start with discord no like you need a lot of resources to effectively manage it but i think from a community perspective there's still a lot of work to be done on making and it's a little bit of connection between still like web 2 right like your facebooks and your instagrams and your tiktoks we're seeing a lot more of them like allow you to show off your nfts and connect i think that's helpful obviously those platforms aren't web 3 or sort of you know on the blockchain but yeah, I think there still needs to be work done on that. What sort of things do you see happen in Discord that are good and are working? Yeah, well, I give an example. Like even on the AFL project, it was only recently launched a few weeks ago. Like we built like a runners group, which is like the top sort of seven active over the last three, four, five months. Seven people that were just so helpful and active. So they're in a group that's really giving us great feedback, helping. They're all now and then when we do drops or promotions, they're in there like working, helping us. Like they're literally like volunteers, if you like, which is so cool. But not only that, you know, we might share announcements and what's coming up and what's happening and get really good feedback. Some of it can be pretty brutal and harsh, but it's still beneficial. We're getting some great inspiration around, would this be an interesting product or would you guys, would this interest you if your NFTs could also give you access to this and this and this? Yeah, we're not interested in that, but hell yeah, that's something's really cool. So it's good when you look at that whole minimum viable product kind of methodology of trying to not overbuild something until you get customer feedback. It's a really great way that we're getting almost literally instantaneous feedback if people like stuff or not. Yeah. And that concept in itself, like I think for me personally, coming from a product project management background as well, like it's so yeah. good because you used to have to have focus groups and you used to have to bring people in and take them out of their day and do Google form surveys or something like that. Whereas not only are you getting that feedback, but you're also, we've touched on this in a podcast as well, is like really creating that cult-like following in that they've been behind the scenes. They feel like they're part of it. They cannot wait for this new feature or this new event to happen because you've been talking about it for six months in that whole planning phase. And they're like, guys, this is coming. You have to come and join this. You have to be part of this next mint or whatever because that hype is there as well. Yes. And then they see like a feature that they requested and it comes to life and they're like, oh, I was behind that or I was one of the early guys that was backing this project and helping them out. Um, we actually had a call the other day with all these runners. There's about eight people, nine people on the call before our public drop and they were just on the call giving feedback, helping. We were briefing them and they were like, this is so cool to be included by the AFL and Anamoka in this, in you guys really listening to us and wanting us. And we're like, yeah, you guys are so important to what we're trying to build here. We're not putting up walls and just going it's our way on the highway so i left the call with it was a really cool sense of community i was like this is this cool what we're what we're building here it's incredible and like for all of us business or not like you don't have a product or anything without those customers so having them be part of it like it's just so powerful Yes. Amazing. Well, Jordan, we've covered so much today. And I think for a lot of people, probably open their eyes to just how this world could be possible and not in that, you know, pixelated game way or, or anything like that. What is next for you guys? What are you working on at the moment? 
Yeah, we're working on some really exciting global sporting projects. Can't say too much right now, but should be able to in the next few weeks. It's sort of multi-country, uh, you know, which we're super excited about. And yeah, then a couple of really special projects, like I mentioned before, we're working on this tiny tap one, which is one of the biggest user-generated education platforms in the world. So there's some really exciting projects that I'd probably say go check out AFL Mint now, aflmint.com.au. Check it out. Get an NFT. So get involved. Amazing. Well, we'll pop it all in the show notes, guys. And if you do want to be first and not miss out on the next opportunity, definitely make sure you head along, follow Jordan, follow the team, subscribe and see what's going on over in that world. But Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure and we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 